listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and I'm a certified animal behavior consultant. But exactly what does that mean? Now that brings me to my rant of the week. In the best of all possible worlds, our animal friends bring nothing but joy. Dogs play fetch, snuggle in our laps, get along with the other fur kids, and they never raid the trash. They're born knowing how to walk nicely on a leash. They take treats without nipping, and they never bark at the mailman. Ha! (laughs) In reality, dog-loving owners can have some unrealistic expectations. Few of us speak dog. Well, at least not without some practice. And people easily misunderstand normal pet behaviors. So what do you do? Well, too often, these socially inept canines end up in shelters. Yet dog training can be easy and fun. And it literally can save your dog's life and your relationship. In fact, to promote that idea, the Association of Pet Dog Trainers has declared January to be National Train Your Dog Month. Now, my guest today will tell us all about this. Michelle Blake is the Director of Communications for the Association of Pet Dog Trainers, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of their award-winning journal, the APDT Chronicle of the Dog. She has a Master's in Social Welfare with a specialty in community organizing and planning from UCLA, and she's a certified dog behavior consultant through the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. So come, sit, Stay, and we'll be right back with Michelle Blake after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com This valuable information comes from your pet. 
there's nothing like a wagging tail or friendly paw to lift your mood. They're therapeutic and make us feel good. Studies show pets even reduce stress, prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and fight depression. So there you have it. Pets are a daily dose of good health and happiness. Pets add life. To learn more, visit petsaddlife.org. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Michelle Blake. Today, she's wearing her Association of Pet Dog Trainers hat to tell us all about a terrific promotion for dog trainers, at, well, and for dog owners, too. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'd always like to open the show, Michelle, learning a little bit more about our guests. So tell us about yourself. What critters do you have? What shares your heart in your home and maybe your bed? <laughs> uh, well, I have two dogs who, they're about 12 years old. Uh, one is Buzz, who is mostly German Shepherd with a little bit of Pitbull. And then I have Nikita, who for years we thought was a Pitbull, and we actually just had her DNA tested and found out that she's mostly Boxer and Border Collie. Ah. That was a big shock. And then we also have two Budgies, and we just got a Cockatiel, actually, over the Christmas break. So we do a lot with um, bird training and dog training. And then I also have a husband. He counts as one of the critters. <laughs> A little, uh, hopefully a little less furry than the others, but... Uh, yeah, mostly. Mostly. <laughs> well, how, <laughs> Michelle, how did you get into the behavior consulting business? What's, uh, how did that all come about? Um, I started volunteering with some shelters back when I, I lived in Los Angeles several years ago. And at the same time, I was bringing my dogs to an obedience class um, because my Nikita, my boxer mix, uh, actually had some pretty severe dog aggression issues and also a lot of fear issues. She was a rescue who, you know, was found on the streets. She lived there for quite some time and, you know, just kind of a, a, a real nervous, anxious dog. And just got really into it, started apprenticing with the trainer that I was uh, working under. And at the same time, you know, really studying about, you know, a lot of progressive stuff with shelters and how training could really help dogs not only alleviate, alleviate the stress while they're in shelters, but then also make their transition into a new home that much smoother and hopefully keep them in a new home. And after a while, um, I started actually teaching what we call Head Start classes at the shelter I worked for, where um, we would have the volunteers work with the dogs that were in the shelter, um, particularly the dogs that were the more stressed out, because training really gives dogs something to focus on. And being in a shelter is a really, really stressful situation for most dogs, so it actually had a really good calming effect. And with a lot of the dogs that we would get, you know, particularly in L.A., a lot of, like, really, really bouncy, hyper-adolescent dogs, your lab mixes, your pit bull mixes, 
and, and the types of dogs that if people saw them in, in the shelter, they would think, oh, you know, the dog's crazy, I can't take that home. And, and most people just don't really understand that, you know, training things like not to jump and walking on leash, it's, it's really so easy and, and it's fun and it, it's just not this, this, this difficult thing that they only think that real professional trainers can do. So if we could train those dogs to kind of give them like what we call a little bit of a head start and then they could go into the home with the dog already kind of knowing to sit and down and some of the basics and hopefully also a little bit calmer because we've been working with them in the shelter. Uh, then from there, I got involved with APDT. I wanted to ask, that was my next mm-hmm. question, what is APDT? There are a lot right. of experts out there training dogs, so what makes APDT different? Well, APDT was founded back in 1993 by Dr. Ian Dunbar, who is a much beloved figure in the dog training world. He's the one who started the whole idea of puppy socialization, and he has a lot of uh, excellent videos on that, and he's, he's done a, real, a lot to promote positive training, uh, not only in the U.S., but around the world. And the basic idea behind APDT was really to focus on education because um, the, the thing about dog training is it's, it's not a regulated, in, regulated industry. Um, pretty much anybody can say they're a dog trainer. And so you have a real you know, gamut from people who may have trained their dogs in one class and decided, okay, I'm going to go out and train other people's dogs to people who, you know, have, you know, masters in psychology or PhDs uh, or veterinary behaviorists or people who, you know, are are lay people but who really spend a lot of time finding, you know, information on behavior and and the latest scientific research. So, and and I know it's difficult for the public then, you know, to figure out, you know, who's who. So APDT's main goal is really bringing in as many trainers as we can to promote positive training, to promote training based on science, to promote um, really developing a relationship with the dogs and, and teaching owners how to do that. And we, you know, through our magazine, and we also have a big annual conference every year, really work on promoting all aspects of dog training, you know, not only just, you know, how to train dogs and how to work on behavior cases, but, um, you know, managing your business because a lot of dog trainers, you know, work part-time because they don't really know how to, how to move full-time. Uh, because of just basic business issues, and then things like working with people and working with children, because I I get emails all the time from people saying, you know, I I really want to become a dog trainer, I I really don't like people, but I really want to work with dogs. And this is Ah. a field where if you don't like working with people, don't do it. Because when I was uh, training dogs, you know, I rarely trained, you know, an owner's dog. I would show them how to do, you know, physically, and then, you know, they would go on and do it, and I would coach them. And mostly what it is is really teaching people how to train their dogs. So you need so to be able it's, to So it's dog skills. trainers train owners to train. Exactly. Exactly. And the best trainers are people who really can motivate owners, who can demonstrate things to them, who can work with a variety of owners from children to the elderly to people who, you know, might be scared of dogs to people who, you know, really kind of using methods that, you know, really are stuck in the past. And you need to be able to you know, communicate to them a way to change without turning them off. So it's, it's very, very much a people field, and that's something that we really are trying to push with, you know, both our conference and the articles in the Chronicle, you know, about how to work with people and how to work with learning styles and all those different things. And then we also have a lot of articles just on, you know, the latest updates and research, because research with dogs has really exploded over the last couple of years, and there's a lot of information out there that trainers can really, you know, apply to, you know, working with their clients and working with dogs. So that's kind of what APDT about. The, the thing about APDT 
is we, and there's a real misperception about APDT, we do not certify trainers. Um, we did actually start the Certification Council for Professional Trainers, and then that spun off as an independent organization from us. You know, our main goal is education, so you will find, you know, again, kind of a, a gamut of methodologies among our members, but we do try to educate the public to say, you know, really work on finding a trainer who focuses on positive reinforcement and, you know, who you feel comfortable with, who can talk to you, who can teach you, who, you know, really you feel like, you know, this is somebody who could help you to have a partnership with your dog. Okay, you mentioned positive reinforcement. Let's define what is that mm-hmm. and what are the alternative training methodologies that are out there that maybe are a little, a little stuck in the past? Right. Positive reinforcement is primarily focusing on rewarding the dog for doing something good. Because studies have found, you know, and not just with dogs but with all animals, that if you tend to reward behaviors, you'll tend to get more of that behavior. And if you tend to ignore or not reward behaviors that you don't like, those behaviors will start to fade away because most animals want to get something that they want, whether it's food or play or attention. And so there's really, you know, no need to use, you know, tactics, you know, from the past where it's a little bit harsher, um, using, you know, more like fear and intimidation. Um, Because dogs, you know, dogs are social animals. They want to be around people and they respond so well to positive reinforcement that there's just really no reason to, you know, use methods that came from the past. You know, dog training really started with the military back in the, in the two world wars, and it was a situation where you needed a dog training, you know, really quick so you could get it out into the field and work with the soldiers. But those methods could actually be quite harsh, and it was also based on a lot of theories about dominance and wolf studies. And as I said, you know, research has really, you know, exploded over the last couple of years, and we've really found that our understandings of, of dominance not that dominance doesn't exist in animals, but it's it's completely different. It's not based on aggression. It's not based on intimidation. Um, you know, a good example is wolves that really kind of work in, in social units that kind of, you know, more like a family um, than, you know, where one wolf, instead of where it's one wolf, that's kind of like the big bad alpha wolf. And part of the problem, too, is people really base training on, you know, wolf behavior, and dogs are not wolves. They do share you know, some similarities, but I, I think, you know, Dr. Dunbar has pointed out it, it's kind of the same similarities between humans and chimpanzees. And, right. you know, say some aliens, you know, landed on the planet tomorrow and they said to us, okay, we're going to try and understand human behavior through chimpanzees, you know, we wouldn't be too pleased with that. And it's really kind of the same thing, you know, with, with dogs. You, you've got to take them for what they are, which they're dogs. They are not wolves. And there's there's many, many, many differences, you know, between them and wolves. You know, and a good example is is there need to be you know social with people. Also, the the fact that these older methods for the military dogs that's you don't necessarily need to have a dog trained military style if he's going to be right. sleeping on your sofa with you. Yeah, and and exactly, I, I think one of the big differences with dog training over the last couple of years is most people who went to become professional trainers where they worked with clients were people who came from competition obedience. And their kind of goals with training were very different from what a pet dog home would need. And they really focused on exercises that weren't, you know, so useful. I mean, obviously some of them are, like, sitting down, but others that really weren't so useful in a home environment. And they, you know, tended to train, you know, more traditionally and and using more compulsion. And the kind of explosion now among pet dog training is, is really a good thing because it focuses on training a dog to live in a home with an owner, you know, who's not 
a military trainer and who's not a competition trainer, but who really just wants their dog to, you know, not do things like, you know, chewing their couch or, you know, pulling really hard on leash. But they don't need a dog that's, you know, going to do all these, you know, really, you know, super kind of advanced things. What they need to learn is, you know, how do I get my dog to have a really good relationship with me and how do I have fun with my dog? And how do I get my dog to relate well to my children and to, you know, visitors who come to my home? And, and that's really, there's a lot of differences between that and the kind of competition training, not competition training at all because many, many trainers who come from there do actually really well with pet dogs. And, and another, you know, example too is a lot of trainers now are coming into the field from where I came from, which is from shelter work. And working with shelter dogs is, is quite different too because you're dealing with a lot of behavioral issues, you're dealing with a lot of stress. It's really, it's not the same as, you know, working with someone who, you know, got their puppy from a really good breeder and it was really well socialized and, you know, it's not coming with a lot of baggage where a lot of time you don't know what happened to the dog before. It's really wonderful to have trainers now who are understanding that and understand how to work with stress and understand how to teach owners to see that stress and see it for what it is and not kind of anthropomorphize the dog and think, well, the dog's doing this because it's mad at me or it doesn't like me or, you know, and getting them to understand, you know, really it's just because the dog's stressed out and it's anxious and it needs you to help it to understand that, you know, this is how I live in a home and everything's okay now and, you know, it's, there's no need to, be, to feel those things that dogs feel that often come from shelters. Why National Month to promote training then? All of the above here, it sounds mm-hmm. like. And is this uh, National Train Your Dog Month, is this month, uh, January, is this for trainers or for owners or for both? It's really for both. Um, what I wanted to focus on with you know, National Train Your Dog Month was a way to give trainers to promote training within their own communities. Um, we have a website where APD just, sorry, APD team members can log in and there's a whole bunch of things they can download like uh, flyers and handouts. Um, there's a bunch of ideas on how to like contact the media, do press releases. And then for dog owners in the public section of the website, we actually held a contest with our members where we're going to announce the winners uh, a little bit later this week where we had them write about a really great client because I really feel like we need to give the people who own these dogs, positive reinforcement, because one of the things that, you know, again, has happened in the last few years is a real explosion of, of TV shows about training, and, you know, clearly some are better than others, but one really good benefit of all their shows is it's really shown people that there is this option, that you can go out and train your dog, and if your dog has a behavior issue, there are people out there who can help you, and, you know, it's estimated there's about 75 million dogs in the U.S., and there's no real, you know, hard and fast statistics on it, but it's it's pretty much been estimated that more often than not, those dog owners have never taken their dog to a training class or who've never worked one-on-one with a trainer. And a lot of times it's just because people just don't know that that exists and that, you know, they can, you know, do it and work with their dog. And it's, and it's not, you know, this harsh thing. Um, like sometimes I used to hear people say, well, I don't want to break my dog's spirit. And a lot of it's based on that kind of perception of, of sort of old-style training so I really wanted to focus on something that showed just your average everyday owner who's not, you know, a professional trainer that they could take a dog with a problem, work through it, and really have a successful end. And hopefully as the public read this website, you know, and read the winning essays, they'll say, wow, you know, that, that really makes me think about myself. Maybe I should call a trainer to work my dog, you know. And, you know, hopefully in the, in the future I really want to do more things like that where we promote 
everyday owners and show them, you know, just like some of those TV shows, that you can work with your dog and you can use positive reinforcement. And you can find out that it's really a lot of fun. It's, it's not as hard as people think it is. And a lot of people can actually go on and do things with their dog. And, you know, they can go into agility or rally or therapy dog work. And, and a lot of people are really, you know, blossomed with their relationship with their dog through that. And it's something that a lot of people who got into it never would have thought about it before until they went to a training class and just, you know, kind of got addicted to it. And folks that are listening, that website, you need to go to www.trainyourdogmonth.com. That's all one word, trainyourdogmonth.com. And check out all the great information that is there. Uh, We are going to take a brief break, and then we'll continue our conversation with Michelle Blake after messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peas, so here's Amy with some more tail tying, fur flying fun. We're back, and again, speaking with dog trainer and behavior consultant, Michelle Blake. She's the former editor-in-chief and founder for the IAABC journal, Animal Behavior Consulting, Theory and Practice. And in her spare time, Michelle volunteers with local shelters and is a training partner with Best Friends Animal Society. She lives in Las Vegas, Nevada with her husband, who is a critter, she assures me, two dogs, two budgies, and a cockatiel. Michelle, I wanted to get back to uh, the whole issue of training. I know you said... Uh, had told me once before that Train Your Dog Month 
came about in January because, you know, a lot of people get Christmas puppies, and this Mm -hmm. is a time of year. How soon can you start training that puppy? How early can owners start? Uh, You can start immediately. Obviously, puppies, you know, have uh, vaccine factors where you want to make sure they at least have their first set of vaccines before they go into a puppy class. But that doesn't mean that you can start training the dog in your home. You know, you can work on simple things like sit and down. And and it's really important because the sooner you start, the sooner you teach the dog the rules of the house and, you know, what the structure is and what is expected of him. And puppies are wonderful because their brain is just as it's developing, you know, it's really ready to soak in all this information. And the earlier you start with a dog, by the time they reach the adolescent period where dogs can get, you know, quite hyper because their hormones are surging, they'll already have that foundation of training and it'll make, you know, working with them that much easier. And likewise with, you know, dogs that you might take home who are adults who are shelter dogs, you know, same thing. When you take that dog home, you know, immediately start, you know, showing it, you know, if you expect it to sit before it's dinner or sit, you know, at the door before you take it out. It's really, really simple things that don't take up a whole lot of time. But if you're entirely consistent and you start right away with the dog, you know, you really be amazed at just how quickly you'll see results. Yes, it's very important to teach them early, and I find that it's not only teaching them basic manners, it's teaching them how to learn. It's uh, if mm-hmm. they get that excitement of, oh my gosh, I learned something new, and mom rewards me, right. and it makes our relationship better, they become eager learners their whole life. Right, exactly. And again, you know, using positive reinforcement, the dog learns that, you know, training is great because it gets me, you know, great things. It gets me treats or it gets me toys or it gets me attention from my owner. And that makes dogs want to learn more things because, you know, obviously it gets some things that are great for them. And it also, you know, really helps to, you know, develop their mind. And particularly with, you know, some dogs doing, you know, training with them, it really helps to kind of, you know, work out, you know, their intelligence because a lot of dogs were obviously bred for, you know, working. Like a good example is Border Collies. People will take Border Collies home because, you know, they're, they're a beautiful breed and people think, wow, it's a great dog, you know, I'd love to have that dog. And they have it in their apartment. And this is a dog that was bred to work all day long and herd sheet and to, you know, be extremely, you know, intelligent and, and constantly working its mind. So you put the dog in the apartment and, you know, most people unfortunately don't walk their dogs and they don't provide the dog with enough enrichment. And, you know, soon it's it's eating everything in your home and, you know, chasing your kids. And it's not because it's a bad dog. It's just bored, you know. So, you know, working on training, you know, even for like 10, 15 minutes a day with a dog can really help that dog to exercise his mind. And that can kind of alleviate a lot of the problems that people see with dogs in their home because, you know, again, they think the dog, you know, you know eating, you know, stuff in their house that they shouldn't be because the dog's mad at them. And it's just really because the dog's bored. You know, dogs are just like people. They need mental stimulation. And training is a really great way to go about that. Well, I know also there are studies now showing that it's just like with people. They say, use it or lose it. If you have a Mm -hmm. dog that you keep that brain working and functioning even when he's he's getting to be an older canine he's going to stay engaged in life longer Mm -hmm. canine cognitive dysfunction which happens a lot with older dogs i'm actually experiencing that with, with one of my dogs one of the best ways to work on that is training it's giving the dog something to you know exercise their mind and it kind of helps to kind of stave off that you know what i sort of would call senility so you know again like you said you know just with young dogs you know, middle-aged dogs and old dogs, you know, training can just really 
develop your dog and develop that relationship. I wanted to ask you also, Michelle, you're affiliated with both the Association of Pet Dog Trainers, which is Mm -hmm. APDT that we've been talking about, and also Mm -hmm. with the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Now, could you give me just a thumbnail, explain the differences between the two organizations? Sure. APDT, like I said before, is primarily focused on educating trainers. We don't do certification of trainers. We kind of leave that to other organizations like the Certification Council for Professional Trainers and IABC. Um, IABC is an organization that is really focused on people who work almost, I want to say almost exclusively with behavior, but, but where behavior is really their focus. And again, they do have certification. So if, if someone's certified through IABC, you know that they've reached a certain level of education. And a lot of, a lot of members of IABC are members of APDT because there's a lot of overlap. And um, another difference with IABC is that they really focus on all companion animals. So you can find uh, parrot consultants there and cat consultants and also horse consultants. And part of why I'm, I'm certified through IABC is that my focus was mostly behavior. You know, I, I would do training as part of working with behavior cases, but I'm, I'm not so much of, you know, a trainer, like a competition trainer or, you know, really, <clears throat> excuse me, a hardcore trainer. It's really more using obedience to work on behavior problems because most behavior cases, that there really is actually a key component of it. Absolutely. It does seem like they, they go hand in paw, so to speak. Mm-hmm. What are some of the most common behavior complaints you hear as a dog expert? And are there times when a trainer would be a better choice or a behavior consultant would be a better choice? And what might those be? Right. I would say, you know, as far as training issues, the most common things are jumping up, pulling on leash, and I'd say coming when called. Behavior issues, uh, aggression, separation anxiety, um, destruction in the home, um, and kind of there's a lot of different variations of those. Um, just, just regular fear and anxiety is also a really big issue with dogs, particularly shelter dogs. Um, I would look for a trainer in situations where you're, you know you're, you're, your dog is behaviorally pretty sound, but they're really just need manners. They need to know, you know not to pull on leash. They need to know to not jump up. And they also need socialization with other dogs. I would work with a behavior consultant, you know, when your problem is behavior-based, where, you know, the dog is fearful or the dog is aggressive to humans or other dogs or it's if the dog is destructive in the home. I mean, some trainers can work on, on destruction, but it really kind of depends on what the reason is. Like I said before, a lot of dogs are destructive just because they're really, really bored. And most trainers can kind of give you options on what to do about that. But if a dog's destroying your house because of a separation anxiety, that's when you really want to have somebody who, you know, really is experienced with that and has some background in understanding psychology and learning theory and things like that. And a lot of trainers are, you know, behavior consultants too. So I would say when you're looking for a trainer, you know, really, you know, spend some time checking them out. A lot of people will call and they'll just, you know, find out what your prices are and pick based on that, and that's really not the way to go. You want to find out what the person's background is, what their education is. Do they go regularly for continuing education? Because that's a, you know a really big issue. Because a lot of people who are in the training field, you know, they they learned training 20 years ago and then they never like updated it. And you know, as I said, there's been a lot of advances in training, you know, particularly in the last few years. You also want to find somebody that you feel comfortable with. 
who you know you don't feel intimidated by, who you feel can give really good instruction. You know, particularly with behavior cases, um, I think people who can kind of help motivate you and kind of help you through you know rough spots, because you know behavior cases can be quite quite you know frustrating and devastating for owners. And you want to have a trainer who, you know, sits down with you and says, you know, this is what you're going to experience, and that's okay. And, you know, you just need to hang with it. And I found that really useful with my background because I, I did have a degree in social work and worked in social service for several years. So that was actually particularly helpful for me when working with clients because I was kind of used to it doing it with regular human clients, you know, back in social services. So I, to me, I think one of the most important things when looking for a trainer or consultant is somebody who has the appropriate education and experience and somebody who you feel comfortable with, who you feel that like you can talk to and who, who you feel can teach you and who your dog feels comfortable with is another you know, big issue. Would you recommend people go to a class and observe before they enroll yes, themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I think, you know, as I said, you should put much more thought into finding a trainer or a consultant, you know, other than just looking for prices. You want to go visit classes. You want to see how the people in the class interact with the trainer. You want to watch the dogs. Do the dogs look like they're having a good time? Do they look happy? Do they look upbeat? Um, does the trainer, you know, teach using positive reinforcement and up-to-date methods? And, you know, as I said before, does the trainer go regularly for continuing education? You know, you want to ask them, you know, what seminars do you go to and what conferences? And you may not know, necessarily know the names of the people the name, but they should be able to immediately say, oh, yeah, I go to the APDT conference every year, or um, I just saw this great seminar with uh, Patricia McConnell or Ian Dunbar, whereas if they just stand there and you know, kind of look at you and say, well, what are you talking about? That, to me, is a big red flag. You want somebody who clearly can explain to you, you know, how they continue education, educate themselves, because you want somebody who considers this a profession and people in professions know that like you know learning is a lifetime process and it doesn't just stop with whatever you learn you know back when you first started or when you were an apprentice or you went to a training school would you please share with listeners then the websites again for APDT mm-hmm. for National Train Your Dog Month for IABC okay well train your dog month is train your dog month all one word dot com APDT's website is APDT.com, and we actually have a whole new section on there for pet owners with a lot of information. And then IABC is IAABC.com or also .org, I believe. All right. And do you have a personal website, Michelle? I actually don't because now that I work for APDT, I I pretty much work like seven days a week, and I have a crazy travel schedule because I do a lot of veterinary shows. So most of my training is just volunteering with shelters and now working with with, with uh, best friends. All right. Well, we'll post all of these websites on the guest page so that folks can read more and learn more about these organizations. Is there anything else that I've not asked you? What's the single most important thing you want listeners to know about about animal training and behavior help? Now, just real quickly, though, before we go there, I do want to say that your veterinarian is somebody you should be consulting with if you have a sudden behavior problem because it could be a physical issue and a veterinary behaviorist may be a very good option for you, but there aren't very many veterinary behaviorists available. Yes, unfortunately they're not. Um, I think there's maybe, I think it was 38 to 40 in the entire country. Yeah, there's about 40, I think, in the world right now. Mm-hmm. So this is another really good reason to be familiar with APDT and IAABC and 
again, what is the single most important thing you want to leave listeners with, Michelle? I really want people to know that training your dog, it's, as I said before, I can't stop repeating it, it's fun, it's not that hard to do, it will really, really improve your relationship with your dog, and, you know, I've seen it many, many times before where I've had owners come in where they just thought, oh, my dog is dumb, or oh, you know, this dog's driving me crazy, you know, it'll never learn all these things, and by the end of even just a six-week class, they're just blown away by how quickly their dog learns things, how quickly their dog seems to be having a good time, and how much easier it is now to live with their dog. So, you know, I really, really want to enforce that to people that, you know, give training a try, you know, see how it goes with you. Because I think a lot of people, once they do it, they become addicted because it is that much fun. And it's, it's just such a wonderful thing to do with your dog. And it really, really, I believe, will help to reduce the number of dogs that end up in shelters. Because most dogs in shelters, you know, most people think it's, you know, puppies. Most dogs in shelters are not puppies. They're older dogs, you know, adolescent dogs from, you know, maybe seven, eight months to three years who ended up there because, you know, when they were puppies, they were cute. They weren't trained. They got older. They got hyper. They they pulled on leash. And they do a whole lot of behavior problems and just basic training issues that if you just went to see a trainer or behavior consultant, they're, they're so easy to solve. And there's no reason to give your dog up to a shelter if you just were willing to put the time and the effort into it. All right. Well, we are out of time, but I'd like to thank Michelle Blake and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to the free Pet Peeves newsletter available at shujai.com. Woofs and wags until next time, and I hope your dog already has impeccable canine manners. But if he doesn't, it's not too late. Check out www.trainyourdogmonth.com and get busy having fun. After all, you don't want your dogs to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.